Hello everyone, and before we start the show, I would like to give a shout out to a very special donor from Patreon, and that is our very first donor of them all, and that is Liz Phillips. Thank you, Liz. You are the queen of all Patreons, a first edition oyster, and you are the rocket fuel for this podcast, so thank you for supporting the show, and this episode is dedicated to you. If you would also like your name shouted out to the world, feel free to press pause. Don't worry, I'll be right here and check out patreon.com forward slash Oyster World Radio to learn more and donate a little bit. Support the show, support global citizenship, gain a little extra good karma and become a Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Oyster World Radio and donate today. Welcome to Oyster World. Oyster World. Radio. Hello, Oysters, and welcome to another episode of Oyster World Radio, the podcast where we broaden our perspectives by listening to the stories of people from all over the globe. It's easy to get trapped in the day-to-day routines of our personal bubbles, but there are billions of ways to live the one life you got, and it's my job to find those ways and bring them to you. I'm Nathan Lieberman, and this episode was an amazing breath of fresh air. My guest, Mohammed Hussein, was born as his parents were fleeing the Somali Civil War, a very chaotic and uncertain time, but was lucky enough to escape the war and land in Norway. Growing up, Mohammed always had a fascination with the United States and one day decided to take the time and go travel. What he found, I think, will surprise you. This is an episode for all of you out there that are feeling the political pressure. For all of you that may have lost hope in the U.S. or what this country stands for, Mohammed helped me realize that we are not as lost as we think we are. And I hope that he does the same for you. A word of warning before we get started, this is one of those episodes where everything seemed to go a bit wrong. The construction workers got back from break and were freaking drilling concrete. Airplanes were flying overhead. We had a cameo from a crazy Romanian waiter. Yeah, it was just one of those recording sessions, so bear with me. It's worth all of the annoying noise in the beginning, trust me. And with that, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mohammed Hussein. Well, Mohammed, thank you for coming on Oyster World Radio. This is the, the podcast is starting to go international, and you're one of the first ones that I've been able to interview with, which is so cool. I'm here in London, well, sitting with you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. I think, uh, well, we hit it off right away. Yeah. Because me and Ikram, we went to a great restaurant. I forget what it was called. But when she when she was walking there, she, she kept mentioning shisha. Yeah. And I had no idea what it was. Yeah. Because we call it hookah in the States. Yes, that's true. I would, I would know that. I would know that. <laughs> yeah, so you guys were making fun of me yeah. the whole time. But that was really the start. And I really got to know you a little bit. And man, I mean, not only did we go over the all over London together, but you have a really interesting story. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you uh, yeah. see, you're, so you're modest now, yeah. but don't worry. I, it's yeah. um, it's some, it's funny because we're parallel. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting that your travel to the United States and my travel to Europe is almost exactly the same under the same circumstances. But we'll go into that in a little bit. So we're going to talk about you. All right. And where it all began. So where where did uh, where did you grow up? Where where were you born? 
Oh, I was born in um, Ethiopia. In Ethiopia? Yes. I was born uh, I was born during the civil war of Somalia. I'm Somali. So you were born during the civil war? Yes. Actually, I, yeah, this, this, the first year actually, in, in, in 88. So my parent, my mom was pregnant. The war happened. The whole sort of city was under siege. They were forced to sort of evacuate. And they did a long walk, you know, to cross eventually joined the, the, to go to the Ethiopian border which was the neighboring country and when they eventually got there well my mom was heavily sort of pregnant she was I think seven seven months or something like that and then she, well, she, she, we knew some people in the second largest city of Ethiopia called uh, Deridawa and my mom went there and while she was there she yeah she went into labor and she had me so I was, I was born in the, in the war. Wow, so they they just escaped. You said they were one of the first ones out? Well, or? yeah, well, there were some other people that probably they sort of prevent. Uh, they were out before, but but my, my parents, they left really when it started. And your mom was pregnant yeah, the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Pregnant with you. Yeah. Really late. Yeah. And they had to walk? Yeah, it was a long Ethiopia? walk. Yeah, it was a long walk. Do you I think know how they, long it was? they first entered, I think, uh, sort of a camp. For refugees, okay, or at, at least people who were displaced, they stayed there for a while. But my mom, she actually she grew up in Ethiopia. Okay, she was born in Ethiopia. She spoke the language, and some of her families lived in that sort of it's called the Ogaden. It's a region very disputed between Ethiopia and Somalia. And uh, my mom's uh, family is from there. So when was that one of the reasons the run, why they could get in? Too? Yeah. So when they were on the run, they knew somebody that lived in a particular place. That's so in the second largest city called Diridawa. And she stayed there in his house and she had me. Wow. That, that's mind-blowing to me, especially as someone from the States where, you know, it's always been pretty stable. Did your parents ever share any stories at the time? Not when we were younger. But it's it sort of, now it's sort of trickling, it's trickling down. And I think it's, we started talking when we were like teenagers and a bit later. A little bit more about where you're from and where, where the family's from. Yeah. from and yeah, and also because we had a lot of questions as well. Did you mind sharing a little bit of what they went through to well, get across? Well, yeah, sure. My, uh, yeah, well, it was, it was, they were sort of powerless in a way. I mean, the, 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 the sort of, sort of, the, so the Somalia had a dictator. You, there were the rebels in the north, well, from the north, and you know, the rebels, because they were from the north, he started to bomb them, but indiscrim indiscriminately. So he bombed the whole city. So, you know, you know, bombs and everything. So he decimated the whole city. But you know, my parents were lucky enough, you know, able to sort of foresee that. And before it really got crazy, uh, uh, you know, decided to leave. So yeah. they, when they were when in Ethiopia, you know, you became you you become refugee immediately. You know, yeah, it's out of your out of your hands. Right, because you yeah, just escaped. you have no agency. You have no agency. Yeah, you escaped, and you just hope that you know there's some sort of something there for you. So you know there were camps, and they, people got food and stuff like that. And then eventually, it's, it's all, especially then, because when this, when that civil war happened, it was all very you know new. You know, a lot of you know refugees from East Africa and all that stuff so right. it was you know a lot of people they had contacts and they try to use their contacts and try to get you know because 
yeah. any way possible to get yeah. out of there. Yeah, and you had some people, the people that had passports and visas because it, Somali passport was was still stable. You could go to Italy, for example. So people were trying right. to, you know, get out of the country. And you were born in the middle of all yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Although I don't remember, I don't remember. But my mother, my mom says that my first language, my first words were in Amharic, which is the Ethiopian language. Oh, so I have yeah. no idea. I have no idea. So, but you, I mean, yeah. all of your hair, or the most of your heritage comes from Somalia. Yeah. But you were displaced, and you were born in Ethiopia. Yeah. And then, like we were talking before, that was not the last stop before yeah. you finally got to your destination. Yeah. So what was what was the process like? Because you eventually ended up in the Netherlands. But yeah. Where where else did you so, have to go to get there? Yeah. So um, we um, uh, somehow we got visas. I think to go to um, to go to uh, Hungary. So yeah. we, we make it to uh, Budapest, and um, we knew that we had a uh, my my mom's sister was in uh, the Netherlands. So we so my parents wanted to reunite with my uh, well, my aunt. So, uh, uh, but in order to get to the Netherlands, they needed to have the right papers, and which they didn't. So they were in the asylum center. We, it took them a year to get those papers, mm-hmm. and eventually, when we, uh, when my parents got those papers, we moved to the Netherlands, and we didn't move to a big city. We didn't move to the, you know, the, the capital or whatever. We moved to a, a, a very provincial, small city. Uh, at the, sort of close to the border of Germany. So you, you've had almost this life of chaos so far. Yeah. Born during a civil war. Yeah. You were your family are refugees trying to escape. You got visas to Budapest. You end up in the Netherlands, and then you get put into a very small town. So you went from yeah. all of this chaos yeah. to a very quiet, quiet town. Yeah, yeah. Very provincial, and very, very relaxed. And I, yeah, so, but it helped, it helped because I think it was so nice and quiet and everything was so settled that, you know, I don't even remember much before. I only remember, you know, going to school. My early memories are a bit vague because I didn't speak the language, so I, I do have, you know, images of my classmates and my teachers, but they're, they're sort of, they're, it's sort of inaudible. They're not, they're not saying much because obviously I didn't. You didn't understand. Yeah, what yeah I didn't speak the language then. Yeah, and then a, a, a couple of years later, I think two years later, I, I did speak it, and yeah, and and, and and it helped that I had a love for you know language and reading, and it sort of accelerated my uh, proficiency in Dutch and I became a sort of a native speaker. Right. So eventually, you were dropped in the Netherlands, you started to adapt to the culture, and then yeah. you also had a couple other siblings that were born too, so you were one of nine. Yeah, one of nine, number four. So what was, so you're the fourth, you're one of nine, and you and your three other siblings beforehand escaped from Somalia, and you're yeah. now in the Netherlands, and what, what was living in the Netherlands like at the time? So you're in a small town yeah. Yeah, with well, your nine yeah. siblings, yeah. What, what was the day well, like in the Netherlands? Well, you know, the Dutch uh, uh, don't have that many kids. Started, so gotcha. we were already an anomaly, and <laughs> uh, yeah, we were already sort of a sight. And it's a small city, so people knew knew us, especially when we were going to school, primary school, elementary school, mm. uh, you know, the teachers they all knew us because you know we, there was one one of us in each class, in each sort of level year, and uh, yeah, so it was. Uh, yeah, right. So yeah. it was literally nine of you in a row. Yeah. 
all through all through the ranks every yeah. year every yeah. year there would yeah. be another yeah. another Hussein coming yeah. through the, the exactly. ranks yep yep <laughs> so I'm so, sure in a small town everyone knew you yeah guys. yeah you and you'd see us you know and we, there, when we got there there weren't that many uh, Somalis as well because I would say most of the Somalis that would you know come as refugees to the Netherlands they would go to the sort of bigger cities mm-hmm. they would you know settle in Amsterdam or Rotterdam or in Eindhoven you know, the, they would go to more of a in sort of the industrialized sort of cities. Yeah. There was uh, probably more work, but also just more people of us, more Somalis there. Right. Yeah. Right. So you there there weren't very many Somalis yeah. in your Yeah. Your well, they eventually there. came. They do came, but they left pretty quickly as well because there wasn't there wasn't much to do in uh, in our place. So. But you guys stayed. You yeah, guys we stayed. Yeah, yeah. My my parents they loved it. Yeah, they loved the the, the nice and the, the quietness and they loved the sort of serene, you know place and people are very nice and friendly there so what was what what did you and your siblings do on a normal day in your childhood so say you're yeah, well, 12 we, we to 15 very, years yeah, old yeah, and so, you're, yeah. you're running around mm-hmm. pulling pranks on people or what, what what was your childhood favorite thing to do well i was i was i was a big fan of uh doing as much as possible because it was it was so boring to stay at home so i would be yeah i uh i used to play uh, soccer i used to play tennis i used to play chess uh, I used to. So you do, were just always. Yeah, I used to do karate. Karate too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. karate. So everything. I was, I was, you know, I was. There was the thing is because you know it's such a nice and comfortable, uh, you know, sort of place. You could sort of I mean, enroll uh, for anything, and it was quite cheap to get on do sports. So I would do it, and every day there was something else, and I would just be busy cycling from one place to another. Yeah, so you were just always on the move. Always, always on, on the move, move. and then if, the yeah, move. and if I didn't have anything, I would be I would be in the library, and I, my I was I was very friendly. My sister introduced me to the library, and I would go with my sister, and the librarians were very friendly and very helpful, and I, you know I have great memories, you know, talking to them and they they guiding me, and uh, yeah, so I, I would be either reading in the library. Or I would be doing all kinds of stuff, you know, soccer and play sports and that sort of thing. So yeah. it was quite a, yeah, it was, it was a nice childhood, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. and I feel like that still carries on a day. I see yeah. It feels like yeah. you're always on the move yeah. as well. And was that, so you lived in the Netherlands for most of your yeah. your life. Yeah. Until all of a sudden you decided to pack up and and move. Yeah. Or, you know what, I needed to see more of the world. You probably yeah. got bored of playing chess and cycling yeah. around and <laughs> yeah. messing with your siblings. Like, yeah. okay, I needed something big change. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. you went to the U.S. Yes. So, yeah, so, the, 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 so, there's a, so there's one thing. So when I was studying, I moved because I was always interested and fascinated by the sort of the, the big world and the big city life. And, you know, I wanted to experience, you know, things that I would see on TV and Things that I right, read because books. the Netherlands had, like, like we were saying before, had tons of American content. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Netherlands, the Netherlands is very much, you know, after the Second World War, they have been one of the biggest, you know, consumers of American, you know, culture and products. So, you know, on TV, we have American shows and American movies and uh, uh, even American uh, quiz shows, even. You know. <laughs> so you were you were exposed to it. Yeah, from yeah. A very early yes, age. yes, and, and because. Uh, uh, what the Dutch do is they subtitle everything instead of dubbing it, which Germans and French people do more. Uh-huh. They dub it instead of subtitling it. So I had a very strong sort of you know uh, sense of English and uh, English uh, language. So from a young age, I was very much interested already in uh, you know the American culture and the American life. And then 
when I moved to Amsterdam, I had a great time there as well. But it still felt, you know, it's still the Netherlands, it's still small. Even though it's a big city, it's, it, was, it wasn't enough for me. Right. I wasn't satisfied. Felt contained almost a little bit? Yeah, and I felt like I wasn't, because I'm still in the same country, same you know, tradition and cultures, I wasn't satisfied. And I wanted to uh, uh, go to, uh, uh, yeah, see something else. I used to sometimes travel to uh, London because my, from my father's side, they live in uh, London. Mm -hmm. And I had glimpses of, you know, what a big, big city could look like and feel right. like. Right, and London, it yeah. doesn't get much bigger than this place. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I knew that London was a very fascinating place. I've been there many times before I uh, eventually decided to pack, you know, pack my stuff and leave, to, leave for the States. But because I knew how London was, I wanted to experience something completely different. So and that brought you to the United States. Exactly. Which is funny because, well, you had family in the U.S. Yeah. Right? So yeah. you went to go stay with them. Yeah. Kind of like what I'm doing in Germany. So it's almost exact opposite. I got yeah. tired of the U.S. Yeah. and wanted to move to Europe. You got tired of Europe <laughs> and wanted to move to the U.S. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It's really Which funny I how, how parallel so it is. Yeah. Funny. Mm -hmm. It is. Uh, <laughs> and here we are meeting in London, talking in the middle of London on a beautiful day. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, it is quite. Yeah. It was quite a whirlwind, to be honest. Um, you know, it was a very intense year and a half. Yeah. So you went there, but off and on because of the visa requirements. Yeah. But you went off and on for a year and a half. Yeah. Starting with San Francisco. Yes. Right. That was your first stop. Yeah. So most of my mother, sisters, my aunts. Yeah, live in California. So when my, uh, so you know, I was, I wanted to do something different. I was still in the Netherlands. My mom said, "Well, why don't you go to the States?" And I felt like it was the most natural, you know, thing that she, that she's ever said. I was yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. That makes absolute yeah, sense. Yeah, it makes of absolute sense. Of course, Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, and because I had my family there, it was relatively easy to organize everything. Just had to book a ticket, inform them, inform them that I was coming. And I, I haven't, I hadn't, I haven't seen some of my cousins ever, some mm -hmm. of my aunts ever, so I was quite excited to see, you know, some parts of you know, my family that I haven't, that I've never seen before. Right. So that was, you know, the organizing was easy, the anticipation was, was, was great. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, of course, um, I'm sure everyone listening out there too probably has the same question. So you're a Somali refugee trying to come to the United States yeah. and in this time, it, well, this was before the Trump administration, but still, it, there's probably going to be some questions asked. Yeah, you said that yeah. um, you had a fun, in quotes, experience going to San Francisco for the first time with a four-hour interrogation. Yes, yes. So, you so know, it's like, can you yeah. paint a picture of what exactly, like, what was going on to your head? What of was um, this? Is your first exposure to the U.S. And you're coming in, and you get interrogated for four hours. What, what was that like? It was quite intense. But um, let me tell you. Um, so I already knew I was going to be tough, and the inter and I would probably be interrogated because you know my not only is my mo my name Mohammed, but also I there, I don't know exactly which there was a terror a terrorist attack. I, I would say maybe two three weeks before. Mm -hmm. So when I saw that, I was already like, God, oh, it's no. going to be very, you know, it's yeah. not going to help me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, not, it's yeah. not in your favor. Yeah, it's not in my favor. <laughs> so, um, well, the, the, the American sort of um, uh, government, they have this thing that they have their own pre-screening already in European countries. Okay. So when I checked in in 
uh, Amsterdam, they gave me a, a ticket and it was they're sort of marked like with four X's. And I went to one of the you know, workers there and I said, well, what does, what does this mean? And she, and she said, oh, that means you're going to be interrogated. Uh, <laughs> so I, I was the happy she said X's, that. Four X's, I yeah. mean, from the start, yeah. you knew what you were getting yourself into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I already knew that was probably going to be interrogated and everything. She already told me. I was happy that she told me. Yeah. So I could, you know, I wouldn't, I wasn't shocked. But um, yeah, so the, the flight was amazing, easy, nice. Got off the plane, entered, uh, you know, we, you go through some sort of you know, process and you move. I walked, I uh, showed my uh, passport, they asked me a couple of questions and they said, well, you know, hey, please, hey, please come with us. So I got to the sort of customs and they asked me a couple of questions and they said, uh, well, you know, first time here and I said yes and they said well you know you have uh, you've been uh, randomly selected oh randomly selected yeah, yeah I started coming fantastic yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And someone already told you that <laughs> yeah. this was gonna happen yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah so I wasn't yeah I wasn't that surprised so I uh, went along and I waited in this boiling room with all kinds of people sitting there and they all looked miserable so uh, you know it was telling you're like great okay yeah, yeah but in a way you know Everything, you know, I, I only knew the stakes from TV, from movies, and obviously action movies are the biggest thing, and you always see law, law enforcement. And it, it was almost fitting, almost fitting <laughs> that the first people that I would talk to, first Americans, would be, you know, law enforcement agents. Yeah, you know. yeah unfortunately, yeah. The, the wrong law enforcement Yeah, agents, the tough ones. The tough ones. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so funny. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I know you're giving it a bad rap, but it's pretty good beer, I do have to say. It's really good. I don't drink alcohol, so I have no freaking idea why it's so good. But for me, every beer is the same. Yeah. It's making true. you get it drunk, and you do silly things, and you wake up in different houses. Next to you, don't fucking know who's that girl. Or that girl. Same old, it doesn't matter what beer you drink, it's the same thing. <laughs> okay, with me the problem was after years and years because I was born in Romania. Okay. And when you're born in Romania, you don't have milk when you're a child. You have whiskey or vodka or whatever they give you when you're young. <laughs> it was, I've been raised, trained also by my grandpa. He said, I'm going to train my son like my son, like I can train your father, the, mm -hmm. the other ones, your mm -hmm. sister, your brothers. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to drink it, I'm going to drink it. And until the age of 18, uh, you will not make a difference between me and a camel. The only difference between the, me and the camel was the camel was drinking water. I was drinking vodka, whiskey, whatever I was <laughs> And at the age of 20, I drink to, I've been to a club. I would say, I'm going to be like, wasted! Fuck, I drink 20 beers, I swear to God. I swear to everything was simple. Because you were fine. Beers, and I was fine. Everyone was drunk. Because you were, you were, were off. Your tolerance like, was so high. Yeah. <laughs> I quit. Drinking three years ago, but I started smoking more. Wow! I'm gonna keep that on the yeah. podcast. That yeah. was ridiculous. That was funny. <laughs> That's London for you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You, yep. you never know who the waiter is gonna be. It could exactly. be a Romanian guy that's been drinking since he's four years old. Yeah. And, and funny enough, stop drinking. Yeah, and then funny enough, start drinking until yeah. <laughs> maybe a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh God, where were we? Mm. 
so yeah, you know, the, the customs. Yeah, customs, right? Yeah. So you go into the, the room of death yeah. almost. Just. Yeah, the, the, so immediately, the very solemn, serious, you know, agents looking at me, asking me very ser serious questions, you know, first time here, yes, you have money, yes. Yeah. Are you interested in politics? You know, maybe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <so I'm laughs> Did you say that? Is that yeah, all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was very, I didn't try to, you know, be funny or play games or whatever. I just, you know, that was very sort of honest and upright. And after, you know, the, the, the way it was more or less, the, you know, it wasn't, I was four, four hours talking, but they would say a couple of things, make me wait for an hour, come back, ask me a couple of questions, make me wait again. So it went, it would go on like that for like a four, at least four hours. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So that was a bit annoying because you don't know the, what's gonna what's gonna happen next. You don't know anything. But eventually, after the, my last interview, the agents like you know uh, uh, it seems that you, you you know have a great time. Welcome to the states. And you know I was uh, I was free. But it took four hours yeah. going back and forth yeah. in the room of hell, trying to just understand what's going on. Yeah. And. Yeah, that that that, sound, that doesn't sound like a good travel plan to me. That doesn't sound like a whole yeah. lot of fun. Yeah, it was it it was um, it wasn't fun, but it was worth it because I knew what I was what I, what I wanted to do and I wanted to experience the state. So yeah, yeah. So uh, I will, yeah, that's it. So that was uh, it was quite of a quite of a welcome. Yeah, quite of a welcome. Yeah. And then you finally got to San Francisco. Yes. And you told me that the first week of San Francisco is pretty magical. Yeah, it was amazing because you know I, I, I knew things about San Francisco. My family lived there, and sometimes you would see things on TV. The Golden Gate. There was a, a TV show called Charmed. I don't know people. You know if you remember it, but it was a, you know it was a witch show. Oh, three okay. uh, women. Yeah. And it, they lived in San Francisco, so sometimes uh, I, I recognized the interior, the architecture of the houses and stuff like that. Queen Anne's houses. Yeah. Very special houses. And uh, I, I thought that, you know, that's probably how it's going to look like. But what I didn't know was the immense, immediate beauty. It was spectacular. You, know, you had hills and you had the ocean and water and you had, you know, mountains, everything. It, has, it had everything. It was so diverse. And the city wasn't, you know, it isn't like Europe where everything sort of, it's not, it's not contra jungle. Right. So when I went to California, it wasn't, and you had like nature everywhere. And the first week, I went to a couple of places. My cousins took sort of showed me the you know the spots. And I went to John Muir Woods, which you know I saw the giant sequoia trees, and I went to uh, all kinds of places, and I was just stunned. Were you just in a state of just shock? Like, yeah. Why yeah, I am yeah. walking around here, just going. What? Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. You have to remember. You have to remember that you know. In the Netherlands, it's a very flat country. Where I grew up, we had a lot of trees and you know that sort of thing, and we had forests, but it was flat, no hills, no anything. We just had water, sort of rivers and canals. That's it. So it's and very orderly as well. So it's all sort of man-made in a way. Yeah. So when I moved to San Francisco, it was the exact opposite. It was wildness. <laughs> And for everyone Wilderness. listening out there, I'm sure that sounds familiar. That sounds like Ohio. That sounds like <laughs> where I'm from. Columbus is super flat, and everything is man-made with our rivers and a couple forests here yeah. and there. It's like the exact same yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. So you. So yeah. So that was it. Yeah. I was. I was. I was. I was actually. I was blown away by the contrast. 
Besides that, and even the culture, what was... Because you watch a lot of American television, but we all know that television doesn't really tell the real story. Yeah. Was there anything that really... Well, I'm very positive. I'm very positive because... Um, my, you know, the, the, in the Dutch culture, people, well, Dutch people are very nice, but we're, we are very direct, and you know, just being folksy and talking to people on the street, it's not really, you know, what, what you know what happens in the Netherlands. Right. So when I moved to the States, I was walking, you know, ordering coffee, and I, w- I would be just surprised that you know, random people would have a small talk, small conversation, very friendly, very nice, and they would talk about something. You know, you would be standing in a line and. People had like random conversations uh, with each other, and I was, you know, I was, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised. I like that sort of warmth and, and uh, yeah, and, and, and interaction. I, I didn't know I was craving for it actually, but I was because I, I, I reacted to it very warmly, and it helped, sort of, it helped me, it helped me to navigate the city because I'm people tell you things and you take up on their offer, you, you sort of listen to the advice or suggestions yeah. and you, you go from there. Yeah. So it helped me a lot. Yeah, so small talk probably, it's not a big thing in Europe yeah. at all. So that was one of the biggest things. Yeah, especially in the Netherlands because in Dutch, even German culture, people do talk to each other on the street, but it isn't, well, there's a thing that, you know, when you, when you talk to somebody in the street, the person will look at you like, okay, what do you need? What do yeah, you want from the, me? What's yeah. the point? Yeah, yeah well, are you trying to, to sell me something? <laughs> well, why are you talking to me? And even I had that, you know, I had that uh, attitude as well. When somebody would talk to me randomly, I would be very wary and and, and think, oh, what? When is the sales pitch? You know, when is gonna when is gonna start? Yeah. And when I moved to the states, I had it in the beginning, and then it's, I immediately realized it was small talk, and people yeah. just just wanted to be friendly and nice, just wanted to, you know, they're living and they, you know, they're talk, talking to each other and. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I reacted very warmly to it. Yeah, it's it's funny too because San Francisco too has a has a I guess a stereotype of being very liberal and open. And you walk down the street, you hear nine languages, and they're not English, so it's yeah. a very international city. But that's not the only place you've been. You travel in the U.S. for a year and a half, yeah. off and on, including Texas, yes. including the Midwest, yes. including the East Coast. Yes. What were the differences that you saw between all of those? There was a lot of differences. First of all, the reason why I wanted to see more is because I'm, I, I love American culture. I love American uh, history. So yeah, I read a lot of books and I'm a big reader. And um, so when I was there, I was like, well, I want to see more. I want, I want, I want to see, I want to, the first place that I went to besides San Francisco, you know, after, after Bay Area, after California, was uh, uh, Boston. My European friends, my friends from the Netherlands, they wanted to see me, and they uh, they said, "Oh, well, let's uh, let's meet up." And I said, "Well, you know, because you know it's closer to, you know, go, you know, for them to meet me in the East Coast, then they would all the way travel from the Netherlands to you know California. You know, it's a 15-hour flight, yeah. and New York or Boston, it's less, seven, eight. Yeah. Right. So yeah, and I wanted to see Boston. You know, Massachusetts. You know." And now Boston yeah. and San Francisco are two very different places yeah. in my experience. Yeah. One is very hard East Coast and one is very more open West Coast. Yeah. So yes. yes. When you got into the streets of Boston, yeah. what was it like? What were the well, people like to you? People were, in a way, I was 
familiar, but shocked because you know I already had this idea of Americans as you know very friendly and forthcoming, right. especially on the street. So I went to Boston and I started asking people something, you know, directions to the hotel or to you know a place, and it was you know they would say you know like uh, you know who, who do you think I am? You know why are you asking me this? And uh, they would you know walk off, and I was like I was shocked. I was shocked. I was like go ahead. This is not you know this is not. It's different. It's different. But when I, you know, I stayed there for two weeks and I saw a lot of places uh, around uh, Boston as well. And when, you, when you're at, when you're at a diner or you're at a place and people t start talking to you, they're very nice as well. And they have a lot of things to tell. And even, I even met two old Bostonians, seniors, and they were from the Netherlands. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they still spoke the language with a very thick American accent, but they still spoke it. And they overheard me and my friend talking Dutch, and they came up to us, and there was, there was, they, they made a joke. They said, well, it's funny that, you know, we are, you know, ethnically Dutch, and we don't speak it that well anymore. You guys are immigrants, and you, just, you know, you speak it fluently. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then they said, well, we, and then there's that whole, the, the whole strangeness of the situation, you know, talking, it's so strange, the, you know, two old ladies in Boston, in the diner, and we're talking Dutch, and they moved when they were little to, uh, to the States. We moved when we were little to the Netherlands, yeah. but we were on a holiday in the States. It was, it was fantastic. <laughs> it was just like this crazy, like, oh, wow, almost a reunion of, of Dutch heritage. Yeah, 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 and they, were and they told us a lot of things. They told us all, all, a lot of things. Told us about you know in Delaware and in uh, you know in uh, upstate New York, there's a lot of you know, even Dutch churches. And they told us uh, told us about Holland, Michigan, you know, this settler Dutch you know city. They told us a lot of things. So we were very grateful uh, meeting them. We had a great time, and you know, so it, it was you know it was different, but in the, in the end it was the same as well. We had a, I had a great time, and I experienced another sort of face, another part of uh, the states, and that told me that I should should not stop. Yeah. They told me I should, you know, see the other places and... Uh, so you got two very drastically different places in San Francisco yeah, and Boston, yeah. and then you went to... Probably what I'm the most curious about is Texas. Yes. Well, you went to Austin, yes. which is the more liberal part. Yeah, but I also Texas. went to Houston, which is democratic as well. Yeah, liberal, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a lot less than yeah, Austin, Yeah, yeah. and more, sure. more, more diverse and mixed. Yeah, but I mean, there's always a stereotype that Texas isn't as friendly, especially yeah. to immigrants, yeah. than, than usual. Yeah. But how was your experience in Texas? What was it? Well, now I, you went to Franklin's Barbecue. We already talked about that. Yes. And how amazing it is. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. Um, okay, so... I had, you know, the stereotypical image of Texas as being, you know, a very conservative place. And uh, it was very funny because I knew I had family in Texas, in Houston. And uh, when on my first trip to the States, I, I didn't go there. But might be in part because I was a bit fretful. And I was like, why should I go to Texas? I can go to so many places in the States. Why should I go to Texas? Right. Anyways, I, when I moved back, I started, you know, living in London. I, uh, my hunger wasn't stilled. I still wanted to see the states, so I would every holiday I would get, I would go to uh, the states and I pick up city and then stay there for a while and then go back. Yeah. And uh, my uh, uh, while I was in London, I met this um, half Dutch, half German American. She's a retired professor from Stanford and right. uh, she writes books. And um, 
I met her in London, uh, one of the museums, and I helped her out with her research while, 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 you know, when she, while she was in London. And uh, uh, she was very old, and, uh, and we stayed in touch. And I think I, I received an email once, and she said, you know, I'm turning 75, I'm having a big party in, uh, well, she was from Texas, Austin. Yeah. And she said, I'm having a big party. It would be very nice if you would, uh, you know, show up as well. You helped me a lot in, uh, uh, you know, during my uh, research and everything. And, uh, and, I, and I suddenly thought, why not? And I looked up that, I googled it, and I saw that Houston and, uh, and Austin was, uh, you know, only two hours apart from each other. Yeah. I said, yeah, I could do both. Yeah. It would work. Yeah. I could see my family, I've never seen them before. And I could go to, uh, I could uh, go to Austin, and she promised that she would have a place for me to stay, so. I was like, you know, I, this is like an offer I can't refuse. So uh, I went there. And the first two weeks I stayed in Austin, and I'm glad I'm there because that completely shattered every image I had of Texas because I didn't know that Austin was liberal. I didn't know that Austin was weird and... You thought Texas was just wild, wild west guns yeah. and cowboy hats and... Yeah, yeah, even though I, I, it's intriguing though. You know, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it's just intriguing, but I, I, I well, you know, it was, it was beautiful, it's a beautiful place and I, went, I came there and uh, uh, she and her son showed me around and they took me to a lot of places, even outside of uh, Texas and we went to Vicksburg, and sort of a German place which is interesting. Yeah. And we went to Johnson City, the hometown of Lyndon B. Johnson. And we, uh, we sort of saw all the beautiful places in Austin. Went to Franklin Barbecues, had amazing food. Oh, the Best Franklin food ever. Barbecues. Barbecues. It's incredible. Yes. Yes. And uh, melt off the bone and in your mouth. Exactly. And <laughs> the people, I have to tell you, the people in Texas, you know, I, I've heard of the term Southern hospitality, but the people were so nice so forthcoming, so welcoming, even though sometimes people would have, you know, sort of a strange look at, you know, where are you from and that sort of thing and, and you know, what's your name and they would say, hey, my name is Mohammed, but still, still. Even then? Yeah. And then also... They would just, you know, just, you know, just talk and, and have a great time. I think that the best part was when you, when you were in the grocery store, right? Or was it yeah. a convenience store? Yeah, yeah. And a guy came in and it's an open carry state. Oh yes, so, so was your first so, experience yeah, with well, open carry. Well, I can no. So the, the the most sort of sort of the image that really resembled my idea of Texas was first time I went to a grocery store. I think I wanted to get something you know small, and I was waiting in line, and suddenly uh, a guy comes in with a you know cowboy hat, jeans, boots, with the little you know. Oh, the uh, the spurs. The spurs, the spurs on, on the yeah. boots. Yeah. And he has a, you know, a, a gun in his holster. And he comes in and he tips his head and uh, says, says, how do you do? To the, you know, to the owner of the place. And I was like, wow, I'm really, I'm, I really am. I'm Did your heart jump a little bit or you're just no, like, wow. This no, is it was Texas? just pure fascination. Just pure fascination. I was like, wow, I'm in Texas. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are in the yeah, middle yeah, of Texas. Yeah, yeah, so I like it. I, I like it. I like it. I, I, you know, I, I come to the States as a, as somebody who enjoys, you know, all kinds of different communities, I wanted to see all different ones. And you know, obviously, I don't want, I don't want, to, I don't want something negative to happen to me. But so far, you know, Americans are just, you know, friendly in general. You know, if you, you know, when you see them and you meet them and you have a little chat with them, they're very forthcoming and they talk, they talk about their lives and they talk about themselves. And yeah, you have a great, uh, great time and you learn a lot. And in Texas, it wasn't the same. It was exactly the same. It was. People being very, being very, right. very friendly to me, and after that I went to Houston, 
it was because I went to Austin, it was less impressive, but it was nice. I saw my family, they showed me around, saw all the sort of major churches there. And right. it, was, it was incredible. And, and I, I learned a lot about the city through my cousin and through going to the, you know, instead of this sort of uh, museums and the libraries and reading up about Houston while I'm there. And uh, yeah, I had a great time as well there as well. So. Yeah. And also, uh, shout out to everyone in Houston. Hope you guys are safe. Especially with the hurricane. Yeah, yeah. My, uh, um, thankfully, my, uh, my uh, family in Houston are safe as well. So this is that's good, good to yeah, hear. That's yeah. good to hear. Yeah, um, yeah scary situation. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's really funny uh, and probably really refreshing for everyone listening out there. I know it's refreshing for me because in America, everything is still pretty divided, especially with the last election and the politics and this kind of these Republicans versus Democrats is yes. getting harder. We we kind of hit each other as enemies or. Demonize the North, demonize the South, and the South demonizes the North. And it, it's great to hear from your perspective that you you've been to San Francisco, you've been to Boston, you've been to Texas. You're one of the only people that I've met here abroad that's ever heard of Columbus, let alone been there in the Midwest. And it, it seems like you know you were treated the same way. You were yes. treated with respect. Yes. You were, and it varies. Well, it varies. It varies yeah. as well. It was great. I was, I was treated everywhere, everywhere with respect. But it was it was always different in a different way. I mean, when I went to the Midwest, I went to um, uh, I was my plan was to go to the the biggest city where with the largest Somali population. You know, yeah. as a Somali, I was interested. Yeah. So I went there, and uh, I was you know I was just struck by the kindness of you know Midwesterners and very very casual. You know, nothing, there's no big deal. Nothing is a big deal, and you just yeah. just go along. And I went to the diners and. You know the waitresses and everyone is so kind and friendly to me. And uh, and while I was there, my, I had a friend, you know, traveling along, and he said, "Well, don't we go to Columbus. It's very beautiful." I, I I didn't know much about you know. I knew Ohio. Ohio is you know. I, I listen to a lot of music, so you hear Ohio in you know music and, and yeah. Americana and that sort of thing. Yeah. I knew about you know the name and the place of Ohio and the state of Ohio, but I didn't. I never thought about going there or seeing it. And he said, well, it's beautiful and it's great. And uh, Columbus has a nice Somali population as well. We can meet some friends there. And I went, yeah, why not? So we traveled there. We, we drove to, from Minneapolis to uh, uh, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. And it was great. It was a beautiful city. And it had different districts. And we had nice food there. And I, I learned about this place as well with the Ohio State. The people that, that lived, you know, the Columbus you know, people that, I, that we met up with. They told us about this place, and we had a great time. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing, and uh, and it's true. What you know, the thing is, I'm um, you, you talked about politics, and uh, uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of American politics, and I read you know read the papers and everything, and I, I read books about American politics, the history of it, and uh, I realized that um, you know politics is not the country per se. You know, even though you know. A place can be can be red or blue. It doesn't mean that the people are all, that you know. The, the, they're not the majority. Everybody. That's the thing about the states. You know, everybody is just themselves, and they. Uh, you don't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't experience. You know, politics while I was traveling and when I was being with people. I would talk to people, and then after a while, after having a conversation, they would say, "Oh, I'm a Republican." And I said, "Oh, wow." <laughs> wow, I didn't know. Yeah, obviously, I'm. I'm. I'm a liberal, but. I, they would tell you know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Baptist and I'm a, I'm a Republican and I, this is what I believe in, but they were they, they were kind and nice, and they were friendly. So 
I, I, what I've learned is that, you know, politics is not the country per se. Yeah. And yeah. That, is, that is so refreshing to hear, especially as someone that has a fresh set of eyes looking on American society. Sometimes it seems so out of hand when you're in it every single day. But this has been, this has been awesome. And yeah. I think that's a great message to wrap up. One, I guess one last statement to give all of us back home uh, in the U.S. a little more hope. What, what would you say to sum up your experience in the U.S. as a Somali refugee going over there? What would you say is a good sum up of your experience there and everyone and all the people there? I, I would sum up that, you know, when I traveled there, I saw a place that was, that was living and brimming with ideals and communities. And I saw a place that, you know, when I went there, I saw there was so much diversity in land, in nature and in culture but also in people and it was, it was great it was amazing and I, I just can't i just can't sort of repeat the fact that you know politics is not the country but the country is amazing and it's full of different ideas and different philosophies and and as a as a person that grew up in a very sort of hectic chaotic sort of moment it, 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 was, it, was, it was everything that I, sort of, I was looking for. I was looking for a place where you know, everybody can be themselves and you can reinvent yourself, you can be where you want to be. And also there are certain communities there and there's a history and there's a sort of growing history and there's transformation. From my point of view, it was ex everything that I wanted to hear. Man, everything I wanted to see. That, is, that, that warms me up. That makes <laughs> me so happy to hear and I'm glad that my country was able to serve you well yeah. in all of your travels yeah. over there. Yeah. And it, will, it definitely won't be the last time. It definitely won't be the last yes, time. Yes, I'm planning a trip already. I was going to say, when I come back, you're obviously welcome whenever. Mohammed, I've had so yes. much fun in London. Yes. Thank you for spending the time you're very and welcome all of your hospitality. Time. It's been a blast. This won't be the last time you see yeah. each other, that's for sure. Definitely, definitely. Thank and you, Nathan. Thank you for everyone listening to Oyster World Radio. This has been a blast. I hope you had as much fun as I did. And we'll catch up with this guy soon. We'll keep you updated. <laughs> Alright. Thanks, Mohammed. You're welcome. Thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Oyster World, radio production of Oyster World LLC. And thanks again, Mohammed Hussein, for coming on the show and reinstating my hope for humanity. Keep up to date on everything going on in the big gap here on Instagram at Nathan Wanders. And geez, I do a lot of dumb things. And you'll find them all there. Check out the links in the show description for more information and special thanks to Charlie Milliken for all of the Oyster Jams. Check them out on Spotify or at charliemilliken.com. That's M-I-L-L-I-K-I-N and he is also episode 50 so check it out. Don't forget to support the show on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Oyster World Radio. Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N Thanks again for tuning into Oyster World Radio. We'll be back in two weeks. But until then, this is Nathan Lieberman signing off. I can't take control of my life If I'm too busy looking at the stars And thinking about all time that's gone by It's time for a change of my day-to-day -day scene